Kevin L. McCrudden is the only motivational and leadership speaker in America to ever have a day of recognition passed by the United States Congress. January 2nd of every year is National Motivation and Inspiration Day. Kevin is an international author, speaker, and America's CMO, Chief Motivation Officer. Join us now for an hour to motivate and inspire your life. Hello, 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 and welcome back to Motivate America with Kevin McCrudden, America's Chief Motivation Officer. So nice to be back with you on radio and uh, and sharing a part of your Sunday evening with you. Um, it's been a couple of weeks, a few weeks since our last show, and uh, I cannot tell you um, the drama associated with uh, with us not being on air for a couple of weeks. Um, uh, the folks that produce this this wonderful show were based out of California, and uh, their entire studio um, was uh, burnt up and destroyed in the wildfires in California. Um, we'll have uh, Doug Newsom on, uh, the founder and, and uh, one of the co- uh, co-founders of um, BBS Radio, on with us later in the show. Um, we'll talk about perseverance and overcoming adversity, and and just boy, what a, what a positive good decent man so we'll, we'll talk a little bit about uh what it's like to lose everything and try and come back uh from that for many of you that know uh, obviously i i had some challenges a couple of years ago and had to overcome uh significant adversity and and overcome loss and betrayal in order to recreate and and uh and rebuild my life and um you know i guess it's a theme right there's there's people that face it all the time in different ways how to overcome adversity, how to overcome challenges. Um, and tonight we have uh, an extraordinary man uh, on our show, um, really known as a, a transformational coach, uh, the creator of the quantum leap, uh, leap thinking. Um, uh, one of the, the one of the, uh, I guess one of the, not the founding fathers, but one of the, the true believers in TM and, and transcendental meditation um and and just a, a real gentleman i'm just i'm thrilled uh to have him on the show tonight we have james mapes with us tonight we'll talk a lot about um you know his history his background uh tm we'll talk about uh you know his uh quantumly thinking um so if uh, we have him here in a minute we'll uh we'll have a, a long conversation with him and obviously talk about motivation being inspired how do you train your mind how do you overcome challenges um, you know, he's a, a world-renowned expert. So uh, do we have James uh, available? I'm here. James, hello. Kevin McCrum. Thank you hello, so much Kevin. How are you? Good, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on our show. Oh, my great pleasure. You should thank my wife for this. <laughs> how, how so? Well, we're, you know, it, it, everything that I do, I do in conjunction with her, and if I do a an evening uh, interview, then we coordinate everything around it. And I was uh, it was honored for you to ask me. Well, good. Well, tell her I said thank you so much. <laughs> I will. <laughs> well, James, you know I uh, you you don't know this, um, but I came to see you uh, several years ago in in New York City, and uh, and I actually um, borrowed one of your exercises, uh, the uh, the dangling uh, washer uh, that you use. Uh, in some of your programs. Oh, marvelous. Um, yeah. And I was, I was so awestruck by, uh, by that one exercise, but also, uh, really just sort of the power of the mind, the idea of, um, I guess sort of quantum theory or quantum thinking. Um, you know, let's just talk a little bit about, I guess, your transition, how you got into, uh, what it is that you do, your your relationship with TM and, and transcendental meditation, and, and sort of part of your journey, and then we'll talk about your books and talk about your speaking and, and all that sort of stuff. And I I hope you don't mind. We have about a, about a half hour, so if that's okay with you, well, I'll I'll give you an overview, and then you can go in any direction you want. Um, sounds great. I it's very challenging for people to um, not grasp but 
just accept that someone can have a number of careers, and that means that I never gave up anything that I started. And so I've added on to everything I do. And, I'll, and so here's the brief version, and then you can stop me. I was mm-hmm. trained. I got my master's in theater, undergraduate in psychology. I was out on the road uh, probably two years with repertory theater, doing Shakespeare, came to New York to do uh, uh, soap operas and films. And I remember, as I say this, nothing has, has ever been given up. Everything has been added on, too. When I was in 1970, I was down in New Orleans with, uh, maybe no one knows this name, Gypsy Rosalie's sister. And if you've ever seen the musical Gypsy, you'll know who that is. And I was down in, say, for a year in New Orleans acting, and she had a hypnotist come in as a fundraiser. Now, I never knew anything about hypnosis. I'm from the Midwest, very conservative. Everything that I ever saw was Dracula. And so uh, I saw this presentation. It scared, uh, it scared the hell out of me. And uh-huh. so I left the room. I came back. I left the room. I finished my season. I went back to New York to do soaps and films. And things happen in life. Um, I put out the fact that I wanted to learn hypnosis, and they introduced me, friends introduced me to a wonderful man by the name of Harry Aarons, who was the head of the New Jersey, uh, uh, South Orange, New Jersey Association to Advance Ethical Hypnosis. Hmm. So I decided, as I was acting, why not study clinical hypnosis? And that might, uh, it intrigued me, number one, and I thought, oh, gee, you know, actor's life is a tough life, and we're poor all the time. And so I started to study, and out of that, came a clinic in New York, and out of that came a show. And the show was not a nightclub act. The show mm-hmm. was called Journey into the Imagination, and oh. it's a, I scripted it as you would a theater show. I did it probably about 4,000 times, and we did it on Broadway, we did it at Lincoln Center, and out of that show, in 1974, 75, I got a manager, and we we made that into workshop, positive self-image training and a seminar called Choices. And mm-hmm. 72 is when I started TM, and I moved the philosophy of that into my workshops. And wow. then I got a manager, and out of that, I did you know, the, the campus, uh, the whole campus entertainment area opened up. So I was doing 200-plus shows a year there, plus workshops. And in 1982, my manager said, okay, I love it. You do all these things. Let's go into the corporate market. My thought was no one's going to buy what I do. And Mm -hmm. so I reinvented myself for about the fourth time and did a um, workshop, a a, a keynote called Quantum Leap Think. And out of that came 20 seven years with the Washington Speakers Bureau, which changed my life. And I had two or three topics, leadership, well, eventually wellness, but then uh, uh, teamwork. And then I got back into mentalism, which I started in the 70s. Now, for your listeners who don't know this, Creskin was my biggest competitor at the time. Oh, isn't that funny? Oh, yeah. What a hoot. And so... um, I decided in 1986, in 1996, I published my first book, which became a bestseller, and that was called Quantum Leap Thinking, An Owner's Guide to the Mind. That took me 14 years. Oh, wow. And, yeah. And then and that, and a lot of angst and throwing it in the garbage and giving up and starting again. And, and nothing, nothing that your listeners should hear is easy without perseverance and belief. And mm-hmm. then... 13 years for my latest book. And then I decided, you know what? I would like to go back into with the world today in the mindset that it's in. I would like to go back into entertaining with a message to see if I can move people to possibilities instead of limitations. So I'm still, you know, I'm still on this path and that's 
probably left a lot of things out, but maybe you can ask questions. Well, Dave, I think that's the thing that makes it so fascinating, right? Is that, um, you know, rather than, and, and I think you're kind of a, uh, a, uh, a prelude to the way a lot of kids live now or a lot of millennials live is they have multiple careers and they bounce from place to place to place to place. And, you know, rather than thinking of it as start and stop, start and stop or something new, uh, thinking of it as a continuum, right? That, that you take on all this information, you continue to grow. And maybe there's a hybrid. Maybe there's something like you did. And and I think it's brilliant what you're now doing. I think that's brilliant to, to try and combine mentalism and TM with entertainment so that people can be entertained and leave with a message. How are well, yeah, yeah, mentalism, motivation, inspiration, possibilities. I labeled myself many years ago as an imaginologist because everything to me, everything, is about the use focus and control of the imagination because we can go to the dark side or the bright side. And I don't, I'm not all that out there, you know, on the, on the fringe. I know how the brain works. My life has been devoted to brain science. And I, I know absolutely from our friends and our uh, loved ones and the people that we hang around with that you have to, you don't have to do anything. I should take that back. It would be better for your life. If you stuck to love instead of fear, and I believe this is the basis of my new book, and I can defend this, I think there are only two emotions in life, love and fear. And anything that anyone could ask me or say would fall under those categories. Uh, and it doesn't matter what it is, whether guilt, fear, uh, rejection, change, success, failure, fear of uncertainty, which is the number one fear which leads to loneliness, which is the number one killer today. Hmm. Let, me, let me ask you this. In, in thinking about this idea of understanding the mind, so we're, when I'm speaking to our listeners, right, and they're listening to this conversation, so here this, here's this man that has had international success, has has. Uh, focused on the development and, and the power and the ability of the mind and how we think. Let's just go there for a moment. When we think about TM and transcendental meditation and the use of meditation, which has become very popular, right? What is it that, what is it that TM or transcendental meditation or quote meditation or calm or peacefulness? What does that do for the mind? Why well, is it important? I, I, I think, <clears throat> first of all, the word mindfulness. Every, I'm going to back up for a second. Everything yep. sw- swings to a pendulum. Uh, you either go to fear or you go to love or you go to greed or you go to fear and you go back to making your choices. But to me, when, and again, I started uh, TM in 1972, and I've kind of developed my own my own focus on this for me, um, because mm-hmm. you have to do that as an individual. Um, it to come to mindfulness means uh, if I if I if I were to take any of your listeners and pinch them hard, they would mm-hmm. go, "Ow, oh, damn! Why did you do that?" Well, they're in the present. You're not going to be in the future. You're not going to be in the past. And Fritz Perls, the founder of Gestalt Therapy, said that all quoted. Uh, all frustration and anxiety comes from a dead past or an unborn future. Now, we do go to the past, of course, and we have to have foresight, which is I'm very big on vision and foresight. But mindfulness means that you pay attention. And when you have a vision and you, I think, meditate on that vision, uh, in other words, and we can please ask me anything about this, but until you see in the future, yourself was already successful, whatever that means, mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, nothing is going to happen. So that's the future. Now, if you know how to harness the imagination for the future, and you can use TM and meditation to live in the present, the subconscious, which is everything I talk about, the imagination, subconscious, the subconscious are our, our, our whole way that guides us, unbeknownst to us, is going to take us in the direction that we need to be, positive or negative, by the way. 
Mm-hmm. So how we envision the future, how our self-talk, which again, lock that away, we can talk about, I give some little exercises, how we see the future and how we handle the present is what guides us to our outcome. And the outcome, mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, and socially. Uh, so on the far end of this, uh, I've, uh, I've developed out of my own challenges about 10 years ago uh, a healing program for surgery patients. And I can, we can talk about that. That's a story. But also my private coaching is taking people, helping them break patterns. And everything that I do incorporates meditation, incorporates visualization. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. So you're talking about mindfulness and being present, but what you're also talking about is visualization and meditation. So there's the combination here. So for once again, for the listeners, it is incredibly important for them to be able to be present, but also to um, project or have a, a positive visualization of future events or, or themselves in the future of being successful, being financially successful being fit, being in, in positive relationships, attracting positive people. So, so that's, that is a part of it. So could you talk about potentially, let's just say tomorrow is Monday, they wake up tomorrow, and there's, there's a new methodology for them or a new practice they, they can use every single morning to create visualizations of a positive future and then TM or meditation to reinforce that on a daily basis so that they live in the moment but project a positive future. Is that, is that make sense? Is well, that about right? it makes sense to me, but it's, it's massively huge. So let me give up. Let's see, how do I do this? This is what my new book is about. It's all based on brain science. 90% of our choices, 90% of our choices are controlled, however you want to say it, manipulated, that's a negative word, uh, by our subconscious. Our subconscious mind does not think. It accepts suggestions without question. So let's play a game. Um, imagine that I'm fighting uh, about spider lemon, and I'm showing you. I do this all my presentations. I've got a lemon. I say to the audience, look at this lemon, and a, and a count of three, I'm going to take a bite out of it. What I want you to do is to imagine you're biting a lemon. Now, in order to bite that lemon, you have to bring forth all the elements of a lemon. Yellow, it's kind of a you know, specific shape. It's bumpy. I cut it in half. I dribble the juice. I hold it in my hand. I squeeze it out, and I bite it. And I ask the question, how many of you had a reaction to that? Whether I have 10,000 or 20, it's always the same, 90 to 95%. Now, my response is, Think about this. You just created a biochemical, neurological change in your body out of nothing. And that's the greatest miracle of the human mind, the imagination. So that being said, and just set it aside, 90% of our choices are controlled by the subconscious. The subconscious cannot tell the difference between a real or an imagined experience. Now, I'm going to Take a moment to breathe, because if anyone listening goes into the past to a negative event, that's real. Nothing has happened in the present. Nothing. If you go into the future to something you imagine that's dark and fearful, that's real. Or you go into the future about something that's already accomplished, that's real. And that affects not only our physiology, our neurology, but our physiology. Now, 10% of the mind is a conscious thinking self. That's the part that can visualize. That's the part that can make a choice to meditate. 10% only. That's what makes us humans. It is the forebrain. So, that, so let's talk about what you just asked. In order to visualize, which is that 10% part of the mind, we have to harness that to project in the future and see ourselves as already successful. Now, that holds traps, too, because you say, I want to be a millionaire. Well, you're, 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 you're dead in the water. But 
because the unconscious, the subconscious, is easily overwhelmed. So you, you, if you want to be successful, you have to take it in small chunks, achievable chunks. See yourself stepping on the scale, 10 pounds lighter, 20 pounds lighter. See yourself as a non-smoker. See yourself in a better job, but you have to be specific. Everything has to be like a movie, specific. Now, once you do that, say you do that twice a day for 10 minutes, you imagine, you relax, you can talk about this on another program, but you relax, you imagine, you visualize. Now, you need to calm yourself down, to center yourself, to let the subconscious work in the way it's designed to work, which is move us towards what we want. And TM is one of the ideal ways. One, not not only, but TM I love, is the way to become present, to calm down, so you are not fear-based. My playground is the imagination and vision and fear. That's my playground. So my job as a coach, as a speaker, is to help people recognize their fears. Rejection, change, success, failure commitment, poverty, fear of the unknown, and more than that, that unconsciously, without our knowledge, manipulate us into making bad choices. So my job is to help people get on the path to controlling, or not controlling, you don't control anything, to influence your subconscious using meditation to move in the right direction. Does that help? Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think the next step then, James, is so, uh, once again, the, the people that tend to listen to our shows uh, tend to be a little bit more sophisticated. They do tend to understand the ideas of motivation. They do tend to understand uh, or want to understand um, how to make their lives better. So in this, in this focus, what I'd also ask you is, so because you, you're one of the sort of the founding fathers or one of the people that embraced TM early, about this mindfulness, which is now such a common phraseology, um, you know, there's and and because of the book, because of um, uh, the quantum leap thinking, what I'd ask you is, how much do you believe in the idea of law of attraction? So we talk about visualization, and, and then how does that lend itself towards the idea of a law of attraction? What you attract into your life? Oh boy, we haven't set anything up, so this is perfect for me. I've been a hypnotist for 45 years. I will tell you. Two demonstrations I do that people can see. So here's one. Mm -hmm. Now, I just have to set this up. When you do a hypnosis demonstration, it's not magic. It's not anything. It's knowing the techniques to go into the subconscious to create a temporary belief system. No different than the belief systems that we have acquired by the age of six. Mm -hmm. Our filter, which is called a paradigm that we look through, we see what we expect to see, and we are, we're, everything else is invisible. So having said that, here are two demonstrations. And you have to present, uh, kind of play with me with this, Kevin. You're in a box. The box is eight feet square. It's mm -hmm. impenetrable. Now, by the way, you're on a stage in front of a thousand people, mm -hmm. and you're in this state of suggestibility. So you're in a box, it's eight feet square. You're in the center of it. It's impenetrable. You can only walk in four feet in any direction. You won't remember that I told you that wide awake. So you're wide awake. I say, Kevin, hey, um, where are you? Do you know? You say, yeah, I'm on a stage in front of a thousand people. All right, fine. I walk 12 feet away. I say, come here. You go four feet. You stop. You don't know why. It's completely uh, baffling to you. You can't do it. I move around the box. You move. And finally, I say, look, I don't know what you think is going on, but maybe you're not motivated. So I pull out $500. Come over here, take the $500. i am 12 feet away. You try, you push, you go. Now, this sounds really bizarre to people mm -hmm. that are listening. I can guarantee you. Mm -hmm. And uh, you don't, nothing. So I up it to $2,000. I've done this for 38 years, thousands of times. I've never lost a dime. With wow. all sorts of people. I've done it for businesses, for present companies, for average audiences. And so the question becomes, what's the box? They don't know. 
that person doesn't know. Mm-hmm. They have no conscious a framework to 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 use a logical explanation. They can't take the money, so that becomes the trigger for a talk I do, which is the box is a self-limiting belief or a fear that you don't know you have that controls you. Now, just think about that for a second. Second demonstration. I tell someone you can't remember the number six. You can't say it, see it, or hear it. And then he or she opens. Oh, and, and you won't remember that I told you that. So he or she opens his or her eyes. And they're in front of a thousand people. And I say, I play with this a little bit. What's three and three? They don't know. They count their fingers. They get the laugh. Then I say, I'm going to have the, I take out a thousand dollars. I put it right in front of them. And I say, I'm going to have the audience shout out the total of three and three. If you tell me what they said, you can have the money, thousand dollars. So the whole audience goes, you know, six. And the person does not move. Their head doesn't move. Their eyes don't move. And I say, what did you hear? You're what? Uh-huh. Then I have my assistant bring out a flip chart. And I say, I'm going to write three numbers. You can tell me the third number. You get the money. Only I up at another 1000 So now I'm back to 2000 So the first number is two. person says two. Next number is five, five. And if six is the one that I've made them disappear, they can't see it. They don't know what it is. And again, in 38 years, I've never lost a dime. Now, if you take this and you, this is my feeling of the law of attraction. We see what we expect to see. We hear what we expect to hear based on our deepest beliefs. And you can change the beliefs through visualization or self-hypnosis and meditation. So it's your turn. That's brilliant. That's a brilliant thing. And and just, I, I think the thing that, that makes it so amazing is that, so uh, Einstein, one of his favorite sayings, right, is that imagination is greater than knowledge, right? So the, the ability to imagine, the ability to use your brain to create and manifest uh, these ideas or these things, I, I just, for you to have spent, you know, your career doing it, writing about it and, and successfully leading it is just, it's such a, uh, it's such an incredible honor. Um, we have, well, we have I just want to interrupt that. I'm going to say the second part of the quote, actually a different quote, is it's a preview of life's coming attraction. That's what yeah. I use. That's above my desk. That's interesting. That, and that is, that's the, that's the end of it, right? So the first half of it is that, uh, well, the imagination point, it's, it's is greater than knowledge, quotes, but I combine oh, it. Is. Imagination okay. is more important now than knowledge. It is a preview of life's coming attractions, and I add on to that, positive or negative. You know, there's, you know, you're going to see what you expect to see. So, you know, in let's, let me give you an example. In the area of drugs, if you're helping someone, you have to look at who they hang out with. If they hang out with other drugs, people, then you have to stop that because, I mean, you have to help them break the habit of hanging out. We are who we hang out with. My wife and I, my wife is one of the most famous movie critics in the world. Her father headed Hollywood studio. Our son produces all the Tom Cruise movies, all the uh, Star Trek movies, all the uh, Mission Impossible movies. So we're very involved in, in the movies of the mind. And I always see that how you project or imagine yourself in the future is a preview. And so my job always uh, with my books or my coaching is to help people shift their vision of the future, but to teach them practical tools, by the way. So how do you, how do you reframe negative things? How do you, everything is about self-talk really and truly. So, my job is to help people recognize have self-talk and then help them recognize through mindfulness when they start to put themselves down or judge themselves partially or other people. How do you stop that? And re- reframing is, how do I put this? Uh, how would you talk about reframing? Reframing, how would you describe it? 
I, I, it's almost as the word says, right? It's, so it's recalibrating or editing uh, your view. So it's like yep. being able to use, uh, uh, what is it, video editing uh, material, right? Good. Good. It's like stopping one preview of the future and know the tools in your mental tools to shift it and recreate something else, but instantly, not messing around with, you know, I've, I might, <laughs> as a coach, I'm the, I'm the person of last resort for most people. I don't say this often on a, on a show, but people that have failed with psychology or psychiatry or anything, they come to me and that's good. I, I you know, if the world were perfect, I wouldn't have a job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so after uh, psychotherapy doesn't work, they figure that you can. Uh, uh, well, you uh, can because it's very specific. Right. And in uh, my new book, Quantum Leap Thinking and Owners Guide. Well, that was my first book. Imagine that is the first, and I'm going to do my own plug here. Is the first uh, hardbound book with 28 video clips of me coaching. So you got the book. Everything's in the book. You don't need to do anything. But if you want to, I've got five to six minute video clips of me coaching people to reframe their thinking, uh, discover life priorities. Uh, I've got a couple, you know, that it's really fun and very accessible. That's great. And it's, it's already out, James. Where can yeah. I get the book? Yeah. And people can go to my website and just, you know, poke around. Uh, I do, um, they can sign up for my newsletter and I, and I know the harsh of the world today and, and I'm very big on digital everything. My daughter is an expert on digital marketing, so she's really helped me out here. But I do an almost monthly, monthly newsletter. <laughs> I, once a month, I put out something powerful, and maybe it's three weeks, maybe it's six weeks. I'm very easily distracted, by the way. Oh, uh, you have a lot on your plate. Oh, well, I'm doing a screenplay. I'm putting together a new one-man show involving mentalism and hypnosis and i'm i'm 73 years old so i'm not a, a, a kid uh you know i've been through she's five four what's about 3800 college shows over my years wow. uh, one campus entertainer the first one first campus entertainer of the year award and just got the milburn christopher award for mentalism now that maybe sound like bragging but you know what when you work alone you gotta yep. you gotta toot your own horn because I don't have anybody out there doing it. Well, you know what? I'm I'm here to toot your horn because I think you're uh you're you're a, a legend and you're you're someone that I am just so incredibly honored to to speak with James. And um, let's just do two things. So uh, the website is James Mapes M A P E S uh, James M A P E S dot com. Uh, so the folks can go there and get all sorts of information and download stuff and get your newsletter. Um, they can also order your book, uh, your new book from the site as well, right? Yep. Okay. So they can, uh, and, and it's called Imagine That Igniting Your Brain. For creativity and deep performance. And I have to say, you know, my, I've got a couple top suggestions for people. I think number one, curiosity is the most, well, one of the most, outside of love, love is number one. But curiosity about life, about learning. I've been blessed uh, through my career. I don't know how it's happened to be around the world many, many times. And uh, I think it was Mark Twain who said, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, that you can't be biased and ignorant if you travel. And you mm -hmm. learn that people are people. Now, man, you've read it, you've heard that, but I'm firsthand here to tell you. People are people. I've lectured in Saudi Arabia. I've lectured in Europe and probably 20, probably 70 countries now. And people, you know, curiosity, love, motivation, family, uh, relationships. I'm just actually about to put out two articles on the value of relationships for the holiday season. Uh, it's all we got, really. And relationships have made my career. I haven't had, you know, I was a struggling actor making $100 a week. And I've kind of, I, I feel like I'm Tony Robbins because Tony and I did the first firewalk ever given in the U.S. But, oh, wow. Yeah, we're friends. And we were at Anthony Hopkins' 70th birthday party together. He flew us over there. Oh, and uh, it's, you know, you just, 
maybe it, it's the background of I'm not entitled to anything. I don't believe people should be entitled. You mm-hmm. earn your way, and it's through helping other people. Zig Ziglar was one of my best friends. And it's like, you do good, you put stuff out, it's going to come back. And now I add that, unless you do it with fear. And we aren't even going there yet. But people, if they recognize they're fearful, they don't speak the truth, they follow the pack, that's fearful, they are afraid to take risks, and if you don't take a risk, you're already a failure, uh, because you don't learn. I've failed, you know, it's funny, my nephew, years ago, thought I had the world by the tail, and I listened to him one time, we were up, I have a cabin with my brother up in Wisconsin, we were around a big campfire, and I listened to my nephew saying this stuff, and I thought, what, I mean, I don't even know what to say, I'm not saying anything. So I came back to Connecticut, and I wrote him a four-page letter, and I didn't say anything about my success. I said, this was four pages about my failures and the lessons I learned. Mm-hmm. And, and boy, have I had failures. And, and out of that, the lessons, again, mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, and socially, as an actor, I learned a long time ago, and then as an entertainer. Make friends with rejection and make friends with failure or you're not going to make it. Yeah, you have to be comfortable with it. You have to. It's going to happen. You you know, you, you're, you reject it or you fail. You you know, you can, you can get upset for a while, but it's, it's not death. It's not cancer. You, you could buy it. And what the, the whole point of this is the lesson. When I talk about fear, people say, well, how do I deal with fear? I say, ask yourself two questions. And if this doesn't help you, rejection, change, success, failure, commitment, I don't know what will. Number one question, what's the worst that can happen, and can I cope with it? And the reality is, everybody can cope with it. Everybody. The second question is, fear, by having fear, what's my payoff? What's the payoff for me having fear? Whom do I get to avoid speaking to? What do I, what do I get to avoid doing? When you start to see that everything you do out of fear, you get something out of, is an extraordinary, mind-opening thought. Interesting. Interesting. James, I can't tell you. I, I, I mean, I don't know how uh, forty minutes has already uh, gone here. It's, it's just it's flying by. Let's, let's do two things. So uh, we've highlighted your, your website so that people can go there. They can go and get your new book, uh, Ignite Your Brain, uh, Creativity and Peak Performance. Um, they can sign up for your newsletter. Um, if they want to go to one of your programs or if they want uh, more information, everything goes through your website, right? Everything. And if we do right, another right. program, I'd love to talk about a healing program that I did and created that Yale School of Medicine is backing out of my discovering I had two weeks to live about nine years ago. So I'm going to set that up if you want to do another show. Oh, absolutely. I would be so honored. I'd be so honored to have you back. Let's do that. Let's, I'll, I'll uh, reach out to you folks, and we'll try and reschedule and, uh, and, and get you on for another show, okay? And maybe would it make sense for the beginning of the year or try and do it during the holidays? Uh, whatever. I'm down in St. Thomas in the Virgin Islands, three weeks, January 3, February 3, March. But I actually have good reception down there. Uh, I've been down in the islands for 45 years, and right now I'm going down and I'm doing performances to help raise money, as I did last spring, uh, uh-huh. to help. I mean, things are really bad down there in Puerto Rico. But I I've done tons of interview from my balcony down in St. Thomas. Well, great. So you know what? So let's count on that. I will. We'll hopefully uh, start off the new year with a couple of great shows, and one of them will be yours, all right? Uh, James Mace. Thank folks, you so uh, please very make... much for having me on. Oh, it's such a blessing. Thank you so very much, folks. Go to jamesmapes.com, sign up for his newsletter, get his book, uh, find out all these wonderful things that are going to help you transform your life and help make your life better. Uh, James, God bless you. Uh, Merry Christmas and happy holidays. Yeah, and thank you so good. very much. Happy New Year to you. All right. Take care, James. Thank you. God bless. Thank you. Bye.
This show is sponsored by Nightingale Conant, Get Motivated Seminars, and Karma Automotive. Thank you. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome, folks. Welcome back again. Um, boy, what, uh, boy, I don't know about you. My head's still spinning. The, uh, th- that went really quickly. Uh, James Mace, what a, what an amazing man. And if you actually get to see him live, a couple of things that he talked about, some of the, um, transcendental stuff, some of the, um, uh, uh, the mindfulness stuff that he does during his show is actually, you know, kind of mind blowing. And, uh, and it's hard to believe what, um, your, your mind can allow you to do and, and what your imagination, uh, can restrict you from doing, right? You know, once you're, um, uh, uh, I guess under his spell sort of thing, right? Uh, it's just, it's really, really incredible. He's an incredible man. I look forward to having him back. Sounds like an amazing story to find out that he had two weeks to live and, uh, created a, uh, a program, uh, that, that Yale's now backing. Um, so when we talk about some of the things that that he was that he was referring to, this idea of mindfulness and being present, uh, overcoming adversity, being positive, um, you know, we watch the news and we watch things that happen, um, and uh, sometimes they're sad, and and sometimes we feel helpless. Sometimes we we look and we're so removed from it, and it becomes, boy, you know, those four those four people are, oh man. You know, what it, what it would be like to have to go through that, some of the natu- uh, natural disasters that happen around the world. And James just mentioned, you know, the, the islands, the Caribbean islands, Puerto Rico and St. Thomas and St. John and some of the other, uh, islands, uh, the America, the American Virgin Islands, uh, were really sort of devastated, um, from, uh, the past couple of hurricanes. Um, but more recently we had the wildfires in California. And uh, as many of you know, I travel back and forth between Scottsdale, Arizona, and uh, the Hamptons here in Long Island. And uh, as you watch the fires, you think, gosh, you know, I hope the people that I know are okay. Uh, you pray for people. You try and reach out. Um, and lo and behold, uh, little did I know that uh, Doug Newsom and, and his uh, brother Don and their families um, were in the midst of the wildfires in California um, and did, in fact, uh, lose everything. So um going to have uh, my producer and, and, and friend, uh, Doug Newsom, join us here in a second. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, just, I mean, for me, it's, it's a, an incredibly sad story to, to realize that you've lost everything. But we're going to talk to him a little bit about the process and what they went through and now how they're kind of recovering it back on their feet. Doug, you there? Hi, Kevin. I am here. Hi, everyone. Uh, but I am... Um, you know, just as I said, I mean, to be engulfed in flames and to have everything you have burned to the ground, I mean, I, I just didn't even know what to say, but how, what's it like going through that process? What What did you guys have to do in order to actually go through that process? In such a chaotic atmosphere, you, you're making, uh, you know, it qualified me. I, I might not be a leader because, uh, in that you panic and your mind doesn't seem to work the same way. Like, for example, uh, we thought, well, we'll be back tomorrow when we were leaving and we didn't even take the time to grab our toothbrushes. Right. I mean, if I had one minute to do over again, I would have gone back in and grabbed my files, a hard drive, some things that are so important to moving forward in life. But you don't think like that. And so I, I think a plan of action is important, but let's say you just never thought of that. Um, your head's going to play games with you. Like, uh, this isn't as that bad right then. And then it'll become so scary like it did for us that we just, um, didn't know what to do other than panic and get out of there, get, make sure the kids are out of there, the animals are out of there and just leave. And it's a, a harrowing experience and it's so devastating, at least. You know, when you're dealing with a family and we have four kids to feed, um, the, it, it, us, of course, bills that were just tremendously high, 
um, we didn't really have time to think about the things that you'd normally think about, like, what did I lose? Oh, oh, I'm never going to have pictures of my family or, uh, you know, all those things I wrote growing up or maybe poetry or books or the things I collected that, you know, you don't take the time to remember them because it's chaotic so much. So over the next while you're focused, I think most people would be focused on how do I get, you know, a home or how do I get the most basic stuff? I now need food. I now need shelter. I now need clothing, right? right? Well, Doug, let's talk a little bit about just so, so when were you aware that the fires were definitely heading towards you and what kind of a window did the police or fire, what kind of a warning did they give you? Like, Hey, look, you've got to get out of here. Wow. And, and then I'm sure to your point, I mean, the chaotic piece must have been, no, we have to get the kids, you know, my wife, my kids, the, the dogs, whatever. All right. Everyone or all the most important things are safe. Let's get out of here. So. In that sense, that is being a dad, a leader, a husband. Like you made sure everyone got in there and got out of there. So God bless you for doing that. But but what kind of a window were you given? Not much. Uh, the fire started around 6 a.m. Uh, and they were moving at a very rapid rate. I mean, I, I've heard from eight football fields, like 80 football fields in a very short period of time. I mean, just consuming everything. And when we... We woke, uh, you know, sometimes we get up a little bit late, you know, when we don't really have to work early. So we're up at around 10 a.m. There was no warning. We did get called two days prior and one day prior. The very prior day and the night before that, we were actually called by PG&E to say, be prepared. We're, pre- we're planning on shutting off the power due to the high winds. Imagine mm-hmm. that. Two days prior, you get a phone call on a cellular next day and you want i i don't I, I thought that was unusual and then no warning nothing I mean the power was on at 10 30 10 30 at our place now we're right paradise you want paradise we're the town where i'm one block from t- walking the city street mm-hmm. so you know but it's mountainous you have hills and things so what you you know you might not see the fire but you'll see an orange sky Mm-hmm. right you might like in our case we woke up it was dark like we found it unusual it's dark no sirens going off you'd think they would have put a siren in the town it wouldn't have been a difficult thing to do to have sirens in the town but nothing like that so don mm-hmm. and i in our ignorance we're thinking gee that's a little dark must be the smoke from some fires couldn't be too bad you know they've tried to evacuate the place before mm-hmm. so you know we we so we evacuated but everything was normal so Donald and I are starting to turn on the generators. We're figuring, oh boy, you know. But then you hear explosions going on. Oh my and goodness. the explosions are, because in this particular neighborhood, there was a lot of people with propane tanks. Oh, right. So you hear these explosions going off, and it gets darker so fast. Within, you know, five, ten minutes, it's so dark you can't see. It's nighttime. And yet, everything around the ridge is like flaming not like you're seeing the flames but orange and right above you dark and so orange around the hillside dark that's when we knew that it was time to run right because you the hill isn't that far away i mean right, right. it's just not up far away you knew it was coming right and so we we couldn't see anymore we really panicked yeah Oh, that's incredible. So you get so you get your your wife, the kids, you get the dog, you get everyone in the cars, you you head out, um, and your vehicles don't have gas. Oh no! That's what happens, and you're on empty on oh, a couple no. of them. We had like four of them going out, oh, and two no. of them were on E. And you oh, think, boy, that you, what, am I going to get down the hill? My or my or I'm going to be one of these cars pulled off to the side. Right. So you're praying that you you praying because it. Bumper to bumper all the way down, oh, right? Right, right, because everyone's trying to get out. Oh, right, right. So that's, a, a, you know, a kind of a helpless feeling. You know that there might be, you see people running up and down with gas tanks trying to fill each other as they're standstill and people trying to get out. It's, yeah, it's wow. a little nerve-wracking. Wow. A little nerve-wracking. So, so you get out, you get out of, uh, fortunately, you get out of paradise. Uh, when when do you find out um, that the 
that the house is gone or that the building. Oh, gone. you're staying on the way down the hill. There's fires to the right, fires to the left, all the way down. So you, so you know that your 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 house is going to be going to be gone. You basically have made an assumption in your head that you were you should have taken an extra minute or two and grabbed your important stuff. Yeah. Uh, you realize that you're probably not going back. Yeah. yeah. I am so sorry. I'm so sorry, but so um. So where do you where do you go? Where did I, so when people were evacuated, where did they end up going? Well, it's interesting. We we, we knew some friends. My uh, my brother's wife, daughter, does ballet with a particular lady that uh, a, a girl that whose mother owned a winery. She had a bread and breakfast they had rented out. Wow. So they said, "Come on over. You can stay in this while it dies down. You know, you don't know how big it is. What? Right. So that's what we ended up doing." And we wow. stayed there for about uh, three weeks, almost wow. four weeks, right? Three wow. weeks. Wow. Wow. Thank goodness and she had that availability because there was like seven of us plus three dogs. Wow. And now, you know, you and Doug work together, your, your brother, and you, you, you have this amazing company that you've built, but this isn't the first time you've lost a home. No, in this case, we not only lost our home, we lost uh, half a dozen vehicles. Um, you know, motorbikes or RV or suburban. Um, right. and we lost all of our collectibles. Uh, you can, they're gone. I mean, everything we've ever had, uh, created, you know, stored, saved, right. you know, right. thought highly of, um, it's gone. Right. Uh, and, uh, before we did lose a home due to the floods, the hundred year floods in Texas when they called it hundred year flood, uh, and lost, and, and, you know, and what year was, and what year was that? That was, oh my goodness, uh, I don't know, 2002 or something like that, maybe mm-hmm. 2003 or, I'm not sure. It was mm-hmm. prior to that, in fact, I came back to see my town home. I was just, that was three years prior to that. I was living in a town home and I was away for the day and I come back and the whole complex burned. Oh my goodness. Um, and that's, that's the natural catastrophe. Uh, yeah, we have not had that much luck, but that's, you know, if I put that up against our financial luck, it would mirror it. Donald and I have always had to deal with life on difficult terms. Uh, we built companies and projects that we can honestly say took from us, um, tens of millions and did so in a very bad way. Um, and they're very powerful people and across number, a number of companies. Wow. And that's a real shame because I can't remember a good life for 30 years or 35. I can't, I don't know a time period when I had something work out, you know, outside so of the work here that we're doing. Um, it was just a lot of time and maybe you'd spend five years, 10 years building something. And uh, at the end of the day, they didn't want to pay you or uh, they figured out a loophole where they could get around you. Or something like that. So, you know, de- dealing with people at the higher end of the food scale, they have the money because they have a tendency not to care about the people. Somebody loses when somebody wins. In, in many instances, and in this case, it sounds like they had your money to hire lawyers to do whatever they wanted to do. Right. So uh, right. they didn't pay you. Right. So one of the things I had that- one instance where they actually, the company actually, um, you know, uh, was best friends with a lawyer that was on our retainer. It was the lawyer themselves that did the nefarious activity. Uh, it, was, it, it was one of those situations that impossible to describe and really made us feel like, you know, there is power in people out there that will, you know, you don't know what to do. You can't stop more another situation where, you know, we were owed a, great, a third of a company that went public, but they didn't want to pay the $30 million as a fee. Um, and they knew the judges and the lawyers, and they were so crooked. They came up to us and said, "You're not. We're going to screw you out of your money, and, that, and what mm-hmm. do you? There's nothing you're going to be able to do about it." Imagine that kind of power in your face. Yeah, I'm. I'm sorry to hear that. But here's the other thing, though. We have we have about five minutes left, Doug. And here's here's the thing that I find fascinating is that as we've become uh, communicated over the past couple of months, and and here's for you know my audience to, to listen, your audience, our audience to listen to is you have always struck me as continuing to be positive 
mm-hmm. when we say goodbye to each other, we say God bless to each other. We we remain. Um, I, I don't know in the in the proper mindset. So following up with James Mapes was just talking about. You've continued to create and create things. You've continued to overcome adversity um, and continue to do it in the most pleasant of ways. Thank you. And and I just, I find that incredibly powerful. How do you find the wherewithal or the ability to continue to do that? Uh, A little, uh, I I believe because I believe in action and you know, uh, living in the present moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really believe in that. I don't worry. You know, the past is the past. And even in the such loss, I'm going to be able to put it to the past because my role is to affect the present moment. I think about the future, but I'm always working in the present moment. And I work with my brother and we work so hard, so long, so many hours. We don't celebrate. I know what you should. And I believe no, this is a quality that it, you know, I don't want the rest of the world to have. I don't know if it's healthy, but we don't celebrate per se. We don't w- look forward to a Christmas or a New Year's or Thanksgiving. We're always so busy working that that's what we know. So that busyness allowed us to just get busy and do what we always do, work from morning to night. Um, and it, or you, go, you can overcome things like this. If you have a goal or a creation or something in play in your life, you can overcome challenges. It's the time when you don't have any power over something, maybe your destiny, or that's when I think people fail. You know, when you were, if you have a goal in mind, but hiccups in the way can't, aren't going to stop that. You know, that mm-hmm. goal is still going to be there. You can still attain it. Mm-hmm. Uh, might take a few, a little bit longer, but it never right. goes away. And we have that in BBS radio. Right. Well, it is a brilliant product and, and I, and I believe in it. I believe in both of you. Um, and I believe in you even more so now. Um, I, I think the, the amazing thing is just that when, when we were talking to James Mace, he's talking about the idea of being present and, and you're talking about this idea of being present and, and, and just working. And, and Lord forbid, I, you know, I, I hate for you to just have to keep working all the time to provide the, for your, for your kids and overcome. Uh, all these adversities that have occurred, uh, it would probably be nice to have a break here and there. But, um, you know, the, the radio station doesn't sleep either. So it, it has to be one of the two of you that are always keeping it running, right. which uh, obviously is a 24-7 uh, kind of labor of love, I guess. It right? is. We, we're, we're, we're very blessed. To work with the people we do, to gain the knowledge that we hear every day, and to know that it does so many other people such a good turn, there's nothing like it. it's like doing you know like being santa claus all the time on some level would you really not want to be a santa claus for a day well maybe you, if you were you'd want to be santa claus always and our job that in some way aspect that's kind of the service that we feel that this company can provide the world and i know our hosts can do that so it's important for us to build the best platform we can because there's so many other people involved and it is a labor of love. I kid you not. Well, I'll tell you, you're an incredibly impressive guy. And, and you know, I, I, my, my love to you and your family. And, right. and uh, we're going to do everything we can to try and help, uh, help you for, uh, for Christmas and for the new year and getting back on your feet. Let's talk about this. So I know that there was a, uh, a GoFundMe page created uh, for our listeners. Um, yeah. Is there a way for them to uh, go to the GoFundMe page? Is there a, a URL? Is there an address? Would you believe we reached our, we, we, I'm going to be taking the GoFundMe down tonight. We, we put out a goal of $30,000 and we got it. We, in fact, we put out a goal of 25,000. We got it. We raised it to 30. We needed a little bit more, but we got it. We don't need more. I, you know, at this point in time, there are so many people. What we wanted was enough money to get the equipment and start back. We, we won't overextend that sense of, you know, we, entitlement. We just wanted to, to, to get back in business. And right. we, that's, they gave us so much we couldn't envision or, or we, wouldn't, we couldn't take more. There's, consciously, we couldn't take more. But I believe that there are so many people out there that don't know the thousands of people that we do or have the support we do 
and there you know the, there's so many families that got affected by the paradise campfire in fact there'll be a charity um put on uh that we know i put out i put on my facebook profile that's like a 25 dollar door event but there'll be bands there there'll be people there and it's the money does benefit the paradise victim so okay, if great. anybody was giving at this point i would really look at some of the gofundme accounts for other paradise victims and give that way donald and i had and we got enough we make we made it work and we're so blessed because of it. so well, so doug, so blessed well doug thank you so very very much and for all of us you know it's a time of christmas being thankful and just and yes. just being so hopeful and uh right. and and i'm so glad that you guys are back on your feet right. And, uh, you know, thank God for you and your kids, and your family, you. and uh, wish you the, the happiest of Christmases. Um, and, and at least everybody's still here and you didn't lose anybody, right? Right. Number one key, we're yeah. all alive. Yeah. And uh, we, we're going to be better because of this. In some aspects, everything has a reason. We just need to figure it out and work and learn to work, you know, learn from it a little bit. That's true. Well, Doug, thank you so very much for thank joining me you. tonight. Folks, Look up Paradise Paradise Valley, um, you know, GoFundMe pages or Paradise Valley uh, charities uh, and help those families that uh, weren't as fortunate uh, to be able to receive funding. Uh, Doug, thank you so very much for hosting my my program and helping me uh, grow this audience as well. All right. Thank you, Kevin. We truly appreciate you and everything that you're right. doing for everybody. Thank All right. you. Thank you so much. Thank All right, folks. Good night. Thank you so much for joining me again. Uh, Kevin McCrudden, Motivate America. Look forward to having you back in a couple of weeks. Take care. Merry Christmas.